Hey friends, you're listening to OKY. I'm your host, Michael Grove. Today is February the 13th, and we are reading through the Bible one chapter at a time. Today we are in Acts chapter 8. Follow along if you can. In the end, now I had somebody come to me and give me some good advice. Pastor Wanda at Calvary Church said, don't say I'll give a quick thought because there's no pressure to hurry up and just give a quick thought. In fact, today's a special day because once again, I have my daughter Aaliyah with me and we're going to give you some thoughts as we kind of talk about the scripture together. So follow along if you can. Otherwise, let me read this over you. And in the end, we'll have a discussion about this chapter. Here we go. Acts chapter 8. And Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. After they had further proclaimed the word of the Lord and testified about Jesus, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, 
the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotas and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. This concludes the reading of Acts chapter 8. Let's have a conversation about what we just read. But first, once again, I want to welcome Aaliyah. Hello, Aaliyah. How are you today? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing just great. And yes, people, we have seen each other and have said hi before just now, right? <laughs> yes. Okay, good. Just want to make sure people don't think we're crazy and we don't talk. <laughs> but Aaliyah, you're going to go through the scriptures with me, right? Yeah. Okay. So we just want to talk about this a little bit and um, kind of see some of the things we read and what they mean. So let's get started. Okay, so first off, we need to start in verse number one. It says, and Saul approved of their killing him. So to understand who him is, you have to go back to Acts chapter seven. Aaliyah, do you remember who it is that was killed? It was Stephen. Do you remember why? Um, he was stoned for talking about Jesus. Yeah, so they were trying to trap him, actually. Um, and so, and by the way, they would be the Jews. Uh, the Jews were trying to trap him because they didn't believe in Jesus yet. Mm -hmm. And so he was preaching about Jesus. People were hearing this, and they did not like it. So they tried to trap him. They brought him in and questioned him. If you remember, he said, I see Jesus seated at the right hand of God. And as soon as he said those words, that made them so angry that they dragged him out and they stoned him to death. So why were they so angry to do that? Okay, so this is a pretty important piece. You got to remember the Jews at this time didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. So for Stephen to be preaching that Jesus is the Messiah and that he's at the right hand of God, that would have been um, heretical for them. That would have been blasphemy. Like, no, you can't say that. That's not who Jesus is. And so he was basically 
ruining their whole view of God inside of this picture because he was declaring Jesus to be the Messiah, which made him equal with God from what they knew. And so by him saying, Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, it was ruining their whole religious belief system. So this was actually a pretty big deal. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay, so that's why when we see Saul in just a minute here, he is trying to persecute the church. He's trying to persecute these people who are talking about Jesus. So, Aaliyah, go to verse number one, the second half there of verse one. What does it say happens after Stephen was put to death? What happens to the church? Um, severe persecution broke out. Do you know what that means? No. Okay, so basically remember when the disciples found out that Jesus had been put to death and raised again, where were the disciples at when they got the news that Jesus rose again? Do you remember where they were? Weren't they in someone's house? (laughs) Yeah, they were all hiding. You know why? Because they were afraid that people were going to come and kill them for following Jesus. Mm. Since Jesus was put to death, the natural progression was they thought they would be put to death too. So now fast forward, they've received the Holy Spirit and they're going around preaching the gospel, and now persecution breaks out, and they're, they're facing once again the fact that they could be put to death. In fact, it says that Saul was there watching this all take place. And then Saul, do you know who Saul becomes a little bit later, a couple of chapters later, in fact? Paul? Yep. He becomes Paul that writes most of the New Testament. But at this time, he's actually a very devout Jew. Okay, so when he's doing these things, it's not because he's angry with Christians and hates them. It's because he doesn't get it. At this point, he doesn't think Jesus is the Messiah. He believes, like all the Jews, that God is going to restore them to be in power. So he just doesn't have room for this new church that's talking about Jesus being the Messiah, being put to death and raised again. So he's going around dragging people out of their homes and putting them in prison. Okay, so here's an important part. It says that they were scattered when this persecution started happening. Where did they get scattered to, Aaliyah? Um, Throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. Okay, why is that important? Do you remember what Acts 1 verse 8 says? When the Holy Spirit comes on you, you'll be my witnesses. Do you remember where? To Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Okay, so they're in Jerusalem when this is happening. So... God said they would be witnesses in Jerusalem. That's already taking place. Mm. What happens? They get persecuted, and where do they go? Judea and Samaria. Okay. So the persecution is forcing them to do what God already said would happen. Mm. Let me ask you a question, Aaliyah. Do you think God causes bad things to happen? I don't think so. Okay. I don't think he causes bad things. I think he can cause things that make us stop and question, but I don't think he causes bad things. But let me ask you this. Why would he allow them? Why do you think God allows bad things to happen to us at times? I think um, he can use those bad things to strengthen our faith. Okay, I like that. Give me an example. Do you have one? Yeah, um, I've gone through like doubt before and questioning, like even if God's even real. Um, And so going through that, it made me really want to figure out the answer. And so that strengthened my faith and brought me closer to God because I was really searching for him. Okay, so when you were searching, what did it cause you to do? Like, what were some of the things that it, it made you, like, start doing to look for him? I started reading my Bible more, trying to pray more. Um, I started reading, like, different books just, like, about doubt and faith. Yeah, you know, it's funny because we can say we believe something all day long. 
until we go through something that tests it. That's when Mm. we really find out if we believe it, right? Right. So like you had a doubt because you went through something that caused you to figure that out, right? Mm -hmm. And so then do you think God allows those moments then to strengthen us that way? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I I remember when I was uh, coming up to Calvary to be a pastor, Um, you weren't even born yet. Sorry, you were still (laughs) not even around yet. My life wasn't complete yet. However, uh, I was scared to come to Calvary because it was a much bigger church than I was at before. Um, I had no idea how to lead. I was coming from a spot where I shared an assistant with the youth pastor. To I was com- leaving that and coming to a staff where I had six people I was responsible for. And I think I've shared this with you before. I remember when I was coming up here, um, it was the first day I was coming to one of the staff meetings where I was going to lead the kids' staff. And we hadn't moved here yet, and so I was by myself, and I was scared out of my mind. And I remember pulling over at this truck stop on the way from Bloomington up to here, and I just began to pray. And I said, God, will you please help me? I have no idea what I'm doing. In fact, I said, I need you now more than I've ever needed you before. Did I ever tell you this? I feel like God spoke audibly to me. Have I ever? Yeah. I have shared that with yeah. you? Okay, because this, this, I'll never forget this moment because God clearly said, and if it wasn't audible, like if it wasn't loud where I could hear it in my ears, mm-hmm. that's what I mean by audible, it was at least clear enough that I know he spoke it directly to my soul, right? Mm-hmm. He said, Michael, you don't need me now more than ever. You just realize it now more than ever. Wow. You always need me the same, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because we, do we always need God the same amount? Yeah, yeah. So do you think it's possible there's times where he allows us to walk through persecution or other things to strengthen our understanding of our need on him? Yeah. I think when we go through things, it always like brings us closer to him. I agree. By going through trials, it brings us closer to God. So then what can we say? What happens if we don't ever go through things? What does that do to our relationship or our trust or our faith in God? Um, I think it makes us less dependent on him because when we go through things, um, we always like go to him and are dependent on him. And so when we're not, then we're not growing and we're not learning to like chase after him. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like, um, I know you love me, Aaliyah, because I'm your father. <laughs> but when you need something, it's easier to reach out to me and get a hold of me, right? Like mm-hmm. it makes you want to come and find me. Yeah. But if you're doing fine and you don't really need your dad, which I know you (laughs) always need him, right? Yes. But in those moments where you're doing okay, it's less likely you're going to come and find me. Right, yeah. It's the same way with God, isn't it? Yeah. And so if we constantly have everything we need and we don't go through those moments of of questioning, we're never looking for God. Mm. And he wants us to, to strive after him, to chase after him with everything, to do his will. Oh, which is the next big part. Because remember, these people have all been filled with the Holy Spirit. And what was the the filling of the Holy Spirit supposed to cause them to do? Be witnesses? Yeah, Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses. What is it that they're witnessing about? Jesus. What about (laughs) Jesus? Um, His life and him being the Son of God, his death and his resurrection. Yeah, and remember right now they're talking primarily to the Jews who do not even close to believe that Jesus was the Messiah, okay? Mm -hmm. And so Saul, when he's watching these things happen, when he's watching people talk about Jesus, he's actually getting angry because he feels like they're talking bad about what they believe to be truth. Mm -hmm. They just did not accept Jesus. 
So let me ask you this, Aaliyah, um, because what we're dealing with is a group of uh, disciples and apostles that were scared to share their faith at this moment because of persecution, and they understood what that meant to them. Do you think it's easy for Christians today to share their faith? No, I don't think so. How come? What do you think is so hard about it? Um, I feel like most people don't agree with it, and so it's just like thinking about how other people think of you. So what's wrong with that? Uh, you just said we're worried about what other people might think about us. Why is that such a big deal? Um, because we shouldn't be worried about what other people think. We should just be focusing on what God thinks of us. Do you think that people, they're just harsh towards Christians? Do you think that's yeah. a scary thing? Yeah. Yeah? But you had an experience not too long ago, you and mm -hmm. Ruzo and who else was with you? Isaac Darius, Darius and Isaac. Yeah. yeah. You guys had a great experience and we got to share that on a Wednesday night. Mm -hmm. um, but I thought this would be a good time to talk about that. Can you just tell me, you guys were at Starbucks, you were reading your Bible. What happened? Yeah, we were reading Romans 8. Um, and we were just like reading, talking about it, taking notes. Um, and there was a couple sitting at the end of the table. Um, and after we had like finished reading, she came up to us and was just encouraging us and telling us how proud she was of us for reading our Bibles in public like that. Um, and then I think Ruzo asked if we could pray for her. And so she was like, yeah, sure. So we all just started praying for her. Um, were you nervous at this point? Yes, <laughs> I was definitely nervous. Um, so is it, do you think it's okay to be nervous in these moments? Yeah, I okay. think so. Yeah. It's a human emotion, right? Yeah. It's scary to, to put yourself out there and talk to someone you don't know, first of right. all, mm -hmm. but then to talk to them about something that's so s sincere and so like a big deal, that's okay to be nervous. But what happened next? So you ask if you could pray for them, then what happens? Um, so we were praying for her for a little bit, um, and then she was, like, shaking, and she started running over to the garbage can to, like, throw up and, like, spit stuff out. Um, but then we kept praying for her, and then she, like, fell to the ground and was shaking. Wow. Okay, so are people watching you while this is happening? <laughs> yes, everybody was watching us. Because you're in the middle of Starbucks downtown Naperville, right? Yeah. Uh -huh. and what did, the, like, the staff say anything or do anything? Yeah, one of the guys came up to us and was like, you guys need to take this outside or something. And so we were like, we're almost finished. But, yeah, people kept coming up to us and asking if she was okay and, like, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a pretty crazy moment. And I know talking with Ruzo, she felt like God was delivering her from some something that was happening, right? Yeah. And you guys got to pray over her. But I think there was another really cool part that you guys were telling me. Um, there was some other people watching mm -hmm. uh, and maybe even laughing and snickering a little. Is that yeah. what's going on? Yeah. They were videotaping, laughing, just kind of like talking about us. Okay. But then... Um, a little bit later, you or Darius or both of you were outside and you heard one of them say something. And what did you say? What did they say? Yeah. So we were waiting outside for a little bit um, and somebody said something like, oh, she's probably just having a heart attack. And they like made a joke out of it. But okay. then um, <laughs> but then later, after like everything was over, one of the people that were inside came out and was talking to the person who had said that. Um, and she was like, no, she was really being delivered. And then the other person that thought she was just having a heart attack was like, wow, God really is real. Wow. Okay. And so in that moment, this was very impromptu. <laughs> God led you guys there to do your Bible study, right? Yeah. We were, 
Go ahead. We were supposed to be, we like, we had planned to go to like an apple orchard or something. Um, and just like our plans didn't work out. So we're like, okay, let's have a Bible study at Starbucks. So, wow. So God aligned that moment. Yeah. Okay. So that's how the Holy Spirit works. Did you know that? Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit leads us to specific places so that we can have in that moment, the right impact. Now you may never see these people again, right? Right. I mean, it'd be really cool if one day one of them comes to church or somewhere and sees yeah. you and is like, hey, I'm here because that mm -hmm. day. But there's a good chance you'll never see them again. Mm -hmm. But it's not about you. It's not about you seeing them or feeling uh, good about it. Right. It's about what work did God just do in their life. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So kind of put that on pause for a minute because in the middle of this, so now Saul's persecuting the church. Everybody's going every direction. And then we get to Simon. Now, this is a crazy story, and it's in the middle of Samaria, okay? So the Samaritans, just to refresh this, Samaritans were people that kind of mixed um, this Jewish custom and the customs that were around them. And so the Jews didn't get along with them. There was this big rift between them. And here comes Philip. Now, Philip is in this city where Simon has practiced sorcery. Can you explain kind of what sorcery means? Yeah. So um, this basically comes from actually the Greek word that means magic, mm -hmm. right? So it's uh, he's doing something to trick them into believing he has a power. In fact, he boasted, is what it said, that he was someone great. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to fool the people into believing that he has some sort of uh, mystical powers that can help them out. Can you think of maybe any modern examples of what this might look like? Um, yeah, I can think of people using like crystals because I know that they believe there's like healing powers in like rocks and stones and stuff. Okay, yeah, that's kind of new agey. Yeah. Uh, what about um, just down the road from us, actually, there's a place where they read cards yeah. in your palm, mm -hmm. like tarot cards. Those types of things are believing in a power that someone says or proclaims to have mm -hmm. that's not even it's not a godly power mm -hmm. it's not a real power right right and so simon is tricking them all into believing him in fact he gets the people to believe him so much that they're saying this man is rightly called the great power of god so do you see already a problem inside of that statement why would this all be in a big mess at that point yeah because they're calling him like a power of god when he's not Right. They're saying he has some sort of great power, which mm -hmm. is interesting because what power is the whole first half of the book of Acts about? There's a specific power. Do you know what it is? The power of the Holy Spirit. Yes. So this is a big contrast here. They have the power of the Holy Spirit. And then Philip is confronting Simon, who has this power of his own, which is a fake mm -hmm. power. He's mm -hmm. just trying to show that he has some sort of power he doesn't really have. But here's the cool part. That when he starts, when Philip starts proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, all the people start getting baptized, both men and women. Aaliyah, do you know why we need to be baptized? Because Jesus asked us to be. No, that's actually, that's, that's right. That's the first piece of it. Uh, Jesus told us to get baptized, right? Mm -hmm. It's his example. He even did it himself mm -hmm. to, to show us what that looks like. But do you know what baptism symbolizes by chance? New life? Yeah. How does it symbolize new life? What does it show us? We're going down into the water. What's that represent? Um, when Jesus died? Yeah. Jesus dying on the cross, right? Mm -hmm. And then we're coming back out of the water and we're proclaiming to the people that we are a... 
new person. Yeah, a new creation. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it shows that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And so baptism is actually a big part of our belief as Christians. Yeah. Because Jesus, as you first said, told us to. Mm-hmm. But then also it's proclaiming that we believe he died for our sins and rose again. Right. So in Mark 16, it says that anybody who believes and is baptized will be saved. Mm-hmm. And then um, at the second half of that verse, I think it's verse 16, uh, it says anybody who does not believe will not be saved, but it doesn't mention baptism. Mm. Baptism isn't what gets us saved. Right. What is it that gets us saved? Accepting Jesus. Yeah. Anybody who believes in Jesus will be saved. So it's the belief in Jesus that saves us. It's the baptism that shows we really believe this. And in mm-hmm. this culture that we're looking at right here, mm-hmm. if um, if they were getting baptized by someone into a religious belief, then they were saying they are denying everything else. Mm-hmm. So this is super important that they're getting baptized because remember, who is he speaking to? Who are they primarily talking to right now? The Jews. Yeah, the Jews. So they are essentially saying, hey, I'm going to get baptized, which means I'm rejecting all these other things that I've believed up till now. And I'm getting baptized into the name of Jesus. Yeah, Jesus. And so this is super important to understand. They are essentially alienating themselves from all the other people that they have grown with, that they have lived with, all these other Jews, because now they're stepping into this belief that says, no, I'm actually going to follow Jesus and not anything else. Today, people get baptized all the time. And I don't always know if they understand what they're doing or saying when they do that. Do you think sometimes there's pressure to get baptized? I think so, yeah. What causes that pressure? Because every other Christian is doing it. Okay, so if every Christian's doing it, do you think that creates almost like a peer pressure? Yeah. And you just kind of want to fit in. You want to mm-hmm. feel like you're doing the right thing. Right, yeah. Okay, so... Um, it's important for us to stop and realize baptism isn't about making other people feel good. It's not about doing it so people will be proud of you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Why do we get baptized? What are we trying to really do and say? Um, to just show that we believe that Jesus died and rose again and that we're a new creation with him. Yeah, and we're willing to walk away from... Our old life. Our old life and everything else, right? Mm, yeah. Is that easy to do? No. How come? <laughs> Why is it hard to do that? Because like our flesh wants all these things and Jesus has asked us not to do some of those like desires that we have. And so it's hard to fight between um, like what our flesh desires and what Jesus is asking us to do. So are you saying that when we get baptized, um, we're not going to do things wrong anymore? All of a sudden we're going to be perfect? No. Okay. So then what, why do we get baptized? What's the purpose of that? Um, because when we get baptized, we're like declaring that he is our savior and our Lord. And so we're just trying to strive to live for him. Okay. You said two words there. You said savior, which first of all, again, the only way to heaven, the only way to be saved is through Jesus. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody Mm -hmm. comes to the father except through me. And we do that by admitting him as savior. Yeah. You also said Lord of my life. What does that mean? Um, that he's in control and that everything we do is for him. Okay, so he then takes this position in our life of being the supreme authority, the yeah. one that we're trying to please and live for. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so that's what these people were doing. They were making that declaration in the middle of a community that was actually persecuting the Christians for making those statements. Mm. 
which I wanted to talk about persecution for a minute because um, I don't think we often understand that word. What do you think persecution is? Being attacked for what you believe. Yeah, being attacked for what you believe. So do you think there's persecution here in the United States? Like, do you think people your age get attacked for what they believe? Yeah, I think so. How? Tell me what that looks like. Um, Like in, on social media, if there's ever like a Christian video where someone um, like reading the Bible or whatever, there's always so many hate comments. What do you mean by hate comments? What's like they're mean? just like bashing their religion and just like saying how it's all a lie and stuff like that. Isn't it funny? And tell me if I'm wrong in this. Do you think that people are acceptive of everything else? Like people can say the craziest things and people are okay with that. Do you think there's a difference though? Do you think when they see something Christian, there's an automatic like hate towards that or frustration towards that? Yeah. I feel like usually it's so easy for people to say negative things about Christianity, but they're always um, wanting to respect anything else. Like for a while, people were talking again about being the earth being flat. <laughs> oh, yeah. That was the crazy thing with the flat earthers. Like the earth is flat. There's all this proof. I'm like, no, <laughs> have, you, have you seen the satellite images? Yeah. Like I don't think the earth's flat. Um, and people had no problem with that. They yeah. were acceptive of mm-hmm. it. But the moment somebody says something about God, it's like, oh, no. And everybody starts ripping on them and yeah. saying bad things. Mm-hmm. What do you think that causes Christians to, to do? Like, what do you think the effect is on them? Um, I think it could cause them to stop doing it. Yeah. Do you think it's kind of harder to share your faith when that happens? Yeah, because then you're just expecting people to be negative about it. And nobody wants to feel like everybody's negative towards them. Yeah. And I mean, that just hurts, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever had somebody look negatively at you because of you saying you're a Christian or going to church or anything like that? No, I actually haven't had to do with that. Okay. You're lucky then yeah. <laughs> uh, because there's a lot of people that have to face that every single day. Mm-hmm. And I think about um, all the people that are listening right now that are on their way to work and maybe they work in a hostile environment towards Christianity mm-hmm. uh, and it's hard to share their faith in those moments. What do you think they could, like, do you have any encouragement for them or any way um, that they can just have the strength today to say, no, you know what, I'm going to present the gospel any way that I can. What could they do? Um, They could ask for the Holy Spirit to fill them. Yeah, because when you're full of the Holy Spirit, remember, once again, Acts 1.8, you will receive power. power. The Holy Spirit was given to empower us to do the work of God, even in the most difficult, extreme moments. So we talk about persecution, and it's funny because we just said things like, oh yeah, people will make fun of them or say hate words on social media. Mm -hmm. What was the difference between that and what these guys were facing in the book of Acts? Do you know? Um, Well, I know that Stephen was being stoned. Yeah, he got stoned to death for saying what he believed. Right. And even all these Christians, what did it just say that Saul was doing? He was going from home to home, and he was arresting them, throwing them in prison. He was putting people to death. Yeah. Like, this was serious persecution. Yet, what do you think it was, besides the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit brought him to do it. But what was it that made them say, I have to tell people about this? Well, they believed that it was true. They believed what was true? That Jesus had died and rose again. Yeah. And why was that important for them? Because Jesus died and rose again 
he was able to save them from their sins. Yeah. He was able to redeem them and bring them back to life. Yeah. And that's a pretty important message. Do you think that's something that all people need to know? Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) Even for all of you friends that are out there about to go to work or to school or to go talk with a roommate or whatever it might be, they need to know about Jesus. Mm. Which brings us to the last story, and that's the story about the Ethiopian eunuch. So this eunuch uh, was just riding along, and he was reading from the book of Isaiah. And how did Philip get connected with this eunuch? What brought him to that same path? The Holy Spirit brought him there. Verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. This is kind of interesting because the Holy Spirit just told him to go over there and stay near it. He didn't necessarily connect all the dots for him. I feel like sometimes we're waiting for this really clear sign from God that this is exactly what I want you to do. Do you ever feel that way? Yes, I feel like it'd be so much easier if God gave us such like specific answers on what we're supposed to do. Yeah, but he doesn't always do that, does he? No. <laughs> and that would be so much easier. But this is the fun thing. The Holy Spirit just told him to go stay near the chariot. And then as he's standing there, Philip begins to hear the man reading, and he's reading from Isaiah the prophet. And this is interesting because listen to what he's reading. This is verse 32 and 33. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And then the eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then what did Philip do when he asked him, who is this talking about? Um, it says that he told him the good news about Jesus. Yeah, he went through the scriptures and began to tell him about Jesus. So here's the interesting thing. Did Philip have to figure out what was going to happen, what he was going to say, or what the, the eunuch was going to be asking? No. He just was already searching for something, right? Yeah. Do you think people are searching for truth? Do you think they want to know what, like, how to fill the void in their life? Yeah. How do, people, how do people do that when they don't know Jesus? What do they fill that with? They fill that with like anything else like of the world, um, which could be like partying, drinking, stuff like that. Yeah, there's, everybody's searching for something. Yeah. Everybody wants to be fulfilled, but they don't know what they're looking for. Here's the fun thing. The Holy Spirit is waiting to lead us to people who are searching, mm-hmm. which again, who's searching for something? Everybody. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's trying to lead us to people who are in that journey right now of searching for truth. Yeah. And then we don't have to figure out how it's going to happen. We just have to be available. Yeah. So Philip comes to the chariot, hears him reading this scripture, and then just has to explain it. Okay, there's one more thing that I think is important for us. If we're going to be able to be used like Philip, because here's what I said, the Holy Spirit led him. Mm-hmm. So we know we have to be full of the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. And so how do we get filled with the Holy Spirit? We ask God to fill us, Mm. okay? And so I think the best thing anybody can do that wants to understand that today, just ask God to fill you with everything he has for you. And he will fill you with the Holy Spirit, right? Yeah. But then the second piece to that is Philip heard what he was reading, and what did Philip do? He asked him if he understood the scripture. And when the man said, how can I if nobody explains it to me? What did Philip do next? 
He explained it to him. Okay, so what's something else that we should do if we're going to prepare for telling people about Jesus? Um, we should be prepared to explain the scripture to people. How can we be prepared to explain the scripture? What does it require us doing? To know the scripture ourselves. Yeah, read it and study it, right? Yeah. That keeps coming back. That's the theme. And I know everybody that's listening right now is already so proud of you because you are studying the scriptures and you're trying to know more about it. But here's the important thing. God's plan was that all people would get to hear about him. And so he already told them they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit. They'd be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth because God's plan is that all people should be saved. And so we as the believers need to be full of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the scripture and then be ready to explain it to anybody that we can. So then does that mean that I have to know and fully understand all the scriptures before I tell other people about Jesus? No. In fact, I just got to be honest with you. I don't know all of the scriptures. I don't know what they all mean, Mm -hmm. but I'm studying and learning, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, Um, when you talk to somebody about Jesus, you don't have to just talk about the scriptures. You need to know them. You need to learn them. Right. But you also tell them what Jesus has done for your life, who Mm -hmm. he is to you, and why uh, you understand the salvation that he brings to you. Right. And the more scriptures you can use to back that up, the better. Because here's the thing. People who are already um, uneasy about Christianity and are trying to fight against it, are always going to try to find some loophole or some verse to be like, yeah, but what mm-hmm. about this one? Yeah, And that's how people get tricked as Christians into to giving up and to forgetting mm-hmm. about it. So we have to be people that are ready in season and out to give a reason for the faith that we have, which is 2 Timothy 4.2, which says, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. What he's saying is be prepared always. Understand why you believe what you believe and be ready to share that with people. In order to do that, know some scriptures that help prove why you believe Jesus to be who he said he is. And that's what Philip was able to do by using the scriptures. And then he gets out, he baptizes the Ethiopian eunuch. And what happens to Philip next? He like basically teleports. (laughs) More or less, the Holy Spirit takes him to the next place that he's going to preach the gospel. And I would just encourage everybody uh, to just say, Holy Spirit, lead me. Take me where you want me to go and talk to the people that you want me to talk to. And if you make that your prayer, you will be doing the things that God wants you to do. Aaliyah, any final thoughts before we end our time tonight? Yeah, this past weekend at Calvary Church, Pastor Marty told us to pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, fill me, search me, send me, guide me. And I would encourage you to pray that today. Yeah, I encourage everybody listening to pray that prayer that the Holy Spirit, as Aaliyah just said, would ultimately just guide you in everything that you say and do. Aaliyah, it's been awesome having you with me tonight. (laughs) It's been awesome being here. Yes, good. Thank you so much. And to everybody listening. That's all the time we have for today. I love you and God bless.